What's up, y'all? You're listening to the first half of our latest episode of Festival Schmestival, where we have our guests book a fantasy music festival using the recently played songs. If you want to hear the second half of this episode, where our guests get to list their dream artists, you gotta become a Two Minutes to Late Night Patreon patron. You get the rest of the pod and other rewards, so check it out! I just assume with you with you guys that that's some layered uh, character that lives deep within the, <laughs> the continuity of your world. If you just saw the name, what would you assume that character would be? Um, maybe someone who, maybe like a real old head who constantly talks about being back at CB's back in the day and how <laughs> none of the young people get it. Something like that. Someone yeah. who constantly claims that every weekend night for four straight years, they saw Blondie, the Ramones, and Talking Heads on the same bill. That type of thing, you know? Yeah. What the people at home don't know is that every single time Jordan puts in a fake name, in it's, I, I think he's, he's reused David Pasta Wallace before. Yeah. But I'll, I'll always turn it on and I'll just see like Coney Soprano has joined the meeting. <laughs> I get so mad for just a split second. <laughs> my name. And then I see the joke and it's, you know, it's it's always funny. By the way, we're recording. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Festival Festival. <laughs> I did that thing that I said that I do. I love that character description, though. I would love it. It's I I, I would love that character like a CB's head um, who says all that. But it always ends with like end up and the bathroom is just it's not the same, man. It's yeah, not the same type of. They cleaned it up. You have not seen gross bathrooms until you you didn't you didn't really know gross bathrooms unless you were at CB's. All right. Right. There's one stall at Port Authority that's close <laughs> to what I dealt with at CB's every weekend when I was watching Richard Hell. Chris, did you ever get to go to CBGB's? Uh, it was still around when I was coming into the city for shows as a kid, but I I, I believe as you mention it. I think I went to one hardcore matinee and I was a very small pop punk kid. <laughs> and that was a, a, a really a terrifying environment that my memory uh, lived up to the reputation. It felt really tense. Uh, when we came into the city, I remember the wetlands was the club that my friends and I used to go to uh, the most often because it, it, from what I remember, it was pretty close to a path station. So being from Jersey, we could just kind of yeah. like get off the path and sprint to the wetlands and then sprint back to the path and go back to Jersey because, uh, you know, New York was very scary to us both because we were Jersey people. And also because I think it was the tail end of New York having like being kind of a scary place. Um mm. I would say, yeah, until about 2007 or eight was like, it still was yeah. a scary in the 2000s. I started coming, um, you know, I remember we take, cause I, I'm 40. So being in North Jersey, like I, I remember fifth grade, our, our school field trip was a inexplicably took a bunch of fifth graders to a production of cats at the winter garden <laughs> theater, Yeah, <laughs> which is a strange choice. But I remember yeah. so vividly being on the school bus and when it pulled through the tunnel and just all the kids looking out the window like what the fuck is going on and we really was like 
I, you know, I always felt like where I was from in Jersey, like some people went into the city, but then there were certain class of people that didn't. And that, that was like one of the like sort of like class divides was your relationship with Manhattan. So when I started going in to do comedy when I was like 19, 20, it was still um, very, very intimidating to me. I had not spent much time in New York City at all. And I remember like uh, the old UCB theater was on 22nd between 6th and 7th. And I think it was 21st and 6th was Billy's Topless. Like yeah. the, the idea of a topless bar being on 6th Avenue today is laughable. Like laughable. That's no, that's where the that, Michaels is. That's not, you can't do that. It's yeah. It's like across from the Qdoba and the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. Like it's that block. And, yeah. it, and it wasn't just a topless club. It was like, I went there a couple of times when I was a young drinker, finding my way into the city for the first time. And it was ski vats, as we would say in North Jersey. It was like, it wasn't just like, oh, wow, there was a nudie bar in the middle of Manhattan. It was like, oh, no, it was a it was a, a really cracked out environment mm. on Sixth Ave, right in the middle of Chelsea. Unheard oh, yeah. of today. So Penn and Station used to be that whole circle of there was like a 10 block oh. radius where everything near Penn Station was just scary as hell. Yeah, I would I would argue. I feel like I immediately went from making fun of someone who talks about what New York used to be like to being that person. <laughs> um, so I do apologize. But yeah, I, I no. have long argued that the stretch between Penn Station and Port Authority mm -hmm. uh, capped off by those two is like the last stretch that I would see as as like an artist type running around New York that felt like it didn't totally get cleaned up. Yeah, absolutely. Port Authority is so fucking crazy to this yeah. day penn station ain't much better there was and never a time for at least until 2016 where i would walk past what used to be the fridays on 34th and 8th and it didn't <laughs> smell like burning diapers like every time <laughs> without fail winter summer it was diapers on fire every yeah. time the best too because I, I started at ucb in 2000 and my favorite was at that old theater i guess um the 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 first UCB theater used to be a strip club and Giuliani shut it down, but it was licensed for public assembly and performance. That's how they got the space cheap. That was where the Wild. city was at back then. Yeah. And when you look it up, uh, it was it was not just a strip club. It was a notorious pretty much front for a brothel. <laughs> you can pretty easily find places that I think it was called the Harmony, something like that. And my favorite was being 20 years old there when it was still a pretty fucked up place full of fucked up people in a way that I truly miss in my heart. <laughs> but Fleet Week every year was amazing because invariably around 10, 11 o'clock, it would just be sailors who were cross-eyed drunk stumbling in and accidentally attending alt comedy shows <laughs> and, it was the best. and then there would also be a running concurrent of every once in a blue moon you'd get a bunch of intoxicated older uh hasidic jews who would show up jewish men who would walk in and go like oh this place changed huh and you'd go yeah so i guess in, amongst <laughs> sailors and the hasidic community that place was uh frequented not by i'm not painting every, not all sailors not all of the hasidic community <laughs> that, i was just some. i wanted the sailor specific i was like is it like fishermen or like 
of like like no, Donald Fleet Duck Week, Sailor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fleet it's Week, Fleet Week. To come back in, and they're in uniform. They're in uniform because the ship pulls up on the west side. And I think when they take leave of their ship, they have to be in uniform. So it would be guys looking like they walked off the set of South Pacific. Crazy. It was the best. I Yeah, I didn't know if they changed uh, the sailor uniform. I was like, it can't be the same one. Oh, yeah. The from cartoons. Hat. Oh, yeah. Little, 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 hat, little yeah. tall yarmulke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just yeah. it's mm-hmm. so weird. The Fleet Week, you would just I remember like doing UCB back then too. And you'd be like waiting in line at the Boston market to get a chicken pot pie next to Popeye, the sailor man. It was so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And it, and Fleet week was when it all came back at those last gasps of old New York, where you'd see like, just like, like actual pimps on corners yeah. and actual people just trying to sell you cocaine on the streets. It was, it's funny. I don't pine for it. It's certainly safer now. And I got to live in New York in an era where I didn't have to look over my shoulder, but there certainly was something really kind of uh, intoxicating too, about feeling like you might get stabbed any given <laughs> yeah. night. I cool. For sure. My favorite UCB store, like I never went. I'm from Colorado. I came to New York in like uh, like the mid 2000s when I was in my 20s. Like, I don't know anything about actual danger. Um, But my favorite story is from uh, is from Dave Hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he told me um, because we were we were writing some UCB thing together, like a, a sketch. And he was like telling me about going there. He was like, one thing that no one ever talks about with CBGB is uh, there used to be like scheduled fights. Oh, and really? he, he was like, I would be I would talk to a friend and I'd be like, hey, do you want to go to the Gorilla Biscuit show? And they're like, oh, no, there's going to be a fight at 7 p.m. <laughs> and it he was, was like, why would you why would they do that? <laughs> why yeah. would anyone show up? It was really, really intimidating to come into New York City. And, and especially as you know, you you felt like I always felt like coming in as a Jersey guy, too. And some of this is just my anxiety and paranoia. But some of it's true is you felt like fresh meat. Mm-hmm. You felt like you had a mark on your back. You f- like they, you, someone would see that you didn't know which way you were supposed to walk or you'd have to ask how to get to the subway. And yeah. you felt like fresh meat. And we all knew those stories about like all the DMS bands and like mm-hmm. Harley Flanagan and the Crow Mags and all these things where it's like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I mostly listen to like the Mr. T experience, man. Like, <laughs> I'm here to experience it, but Jesus, it was scary. It was scary. I wonder what you guys would say too. And I don't know if this is the type of thing we're supposed to ramble about. That's fine. We, it, it is, we can, whatever, this is perfect. Like, so, so my wife and I were just talking about this the other night and she is a punk rocker of far more credibility than, than me by far. Like I have gone to a ton of shows and growing up, it really influenced me, but I mean, she's played in bands and toured and is for real. And at least in the tri-state area, and I don't know which scenes you guys came up in, I think it's so inspiring and so beautiful that the DIY community of recent years has really established this idea of like, no, like show locations are safe spaces. Everyone's yes. You are under a roof where you walk in, you're safe. It doesn't matter who you are. Now, I think that's amazing. And I am not lamenting that, but 
when I when I was young, it, it felt dangerous to go to a punk show. And and it like you said, scheduled fights, actual brawls, people <laughs> getting taken out. Like it, it was not, it did not feel safe. And I think that's one of the most massive adjustments that I'm actually hugely jealous of for people of, of more recent generations. It's like, oh, this is actually a place. These places are, are places where you go to experience art and you get to feel like you're under a roof where you're not going to be judged and where you're going to be safe and where you're going to be amongst other people who are at least supportive of creativity. That's amazing. I'm like, oh, I remember feeling like, oh shit, there's six guys in matching hoodies. Is that a youth crew? Is like, what <laughs> yeah. are, are these guys going to do the wall Mormons. of death? Like, it's going to be, yeah. Are, are, like, oh God, is this a Krishna core gang? Like, what is this? You know, <laughs> are they, like you'd go to shows and it would be like, oh, there's Nazis here. And there were actual people who claimed to be Nazis. And it was like, oh, thank God that seems to be in the rearview mirror to my knowledge. It is. At the shows, yeah. I think, like, uh, but yeah. An interesting thing about the safe space is I completely agree and I love it. And but I also think that there should be certain bands have designated unsafe spaces. Like I remember going to see Reviver in 2011. And that's when I really started being aware of like no moshing. It hurts people. We want to bring everybody in. And I was that's when I really became aware of like, oh, like me being male identifying and in a sleeveless Pantera shirt is like people would assume that I'm going to punch them in the face. So I need to stand in the back and not throw my arms around and create a better place. And it doesn't like ruin anybody's experience. But then my friend that I went with couldn't grasp that and was like, no, it's a show you throw fists, whatever. And they would get kicked out of these shows. And I was thinking about it a few years later that there should that like, I going to like a Dillinger escape plan show was Go, like the equivalent of going to a demolition derby like you're not going to complain that the air is bad at a demolition derby you yeah. know what you sign up for getting in and i think that it should be a situation where some bands just like if they welcome it uh being uh more aggressive then you kind of know what you're signing up for that could just be stockholm syndrome though for me getting the shit well, out of me as a kid i, I think like the moshing is just like moshing or no moshing is kind of dependent on the band. I think when, yeah. when Chris is bringing up is like literal, like the audience is going to fight each other because they're different types of people, which still it, that still existed when I was a kid, because, you know, there was the like when like the like we there was like the emo and scene kids going to the death metal shows or whatever, because they also listened to that. So it would be just like. An old, it would be like the older metalheads versus like small children who look like birds <laughs> and have white belts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or yeah. that the, the, or like the, the old thing of like, oh, there's some guys with shaved heads here, and then everybody's like, wait, they, they, they have red shoelaces. Which one does red shoelaces mean? Yeah. White yeah. shoelaces? Are they, are they Nazis or sharps? Like, and and you, you're like, oh my god, like, I remember as a kid being like, this is. That felt like a reality of like we gotta gotta know who these other people are in this room are because it might be unsafe and and it feels like there's less of that. But I'm with you. Like mm -hmm. if you if you go and see you know if you go and sign up to go to a show where people throw down, you at least know what you're entering at this point in history. Yeah, I think that it's all the it's. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I I I, I want to bring up 
it's weird to bring up Madball in any context, but like after we <laughs> shut up right now. What a good sentence to say. It's weird <laughs> to bring up Madball in any context. context. But we did is when we did, we did a hard Melissa sketch with them and w- w- like with Freddie. And it was a wonderful sketch. He was really funny. He was game for like us being like a little mean to him in a comedic sense. And, you know, it was very fun. He was like, are you if you guys are coming to the show tonight, like we're going to take care of you. It's going to be you let me know if you need anything. And we were like, oh, this is this is going to be a lovely time. And then apparently like five minutes after he said that to us, he then like hit a guy with a chair and threw him out of the building. Oh, good God. So it's just it's just, uh, you know, but also if you go to like I, it was for a minute, I was like, right. This is a mad ball. (laughs) This is like surprises is what I think is the thing about it. It's like if you want to go to a show where there's going to be a fight, you know which one it's going to be. And I think it's like keep it kosher. There are the shows that the band say we want it to be a safe space. You got to make sure that you respect the rules of that band. But also don't expect at any point that a mad ball show is going to be a safe place to be, as we've learned, uh, unfortunately, this spring. Way more. uh, Yeah. I don't think anyone would argue that. And Alex, <laughs> my my friend, my high school crew, this is reminding me there's and there's footage of this on YouTube. And I, I know like I, I'm I sit here and I just like ramble about the past and maybe it's annoying to some people. But my older brother and his friends were at a show at Middlesex Community College in the 90s Earth Crisis. Mm. Um, and this was a legendary show in New Jersey. And I think kind of like nationally in the like fanzine scene. Because Earth Crisis, as many people know, was like an ultra militant vegan band who had a reputation for like, they will hit you with a hammer if you smoke a cigarette in the parking lot, like straight edge vegan. And I believe it was a member of Ink and Dagger showed Mm. up. And if I remember, I don't, I mean, I don't want to make an accusation, but if I remember right, it was somebody from that band, Ink and Dagger showed up and ran up on stage with a fur coat on and threw yogurt on the lead singer of Earth Crisis. And you can watch this footage of this show and it's it's actually scary. It's actually scary. It's, it's dozens and dozens of vegan skinhead Jersey meatheads from the nineties trying to kill a person on possible meatheads. You mean? At, yes. Beyond, beyond meatheads. Meat, beyond meatheads. Oh, <laughs> what a good name for vegan, vegan core fans. Yeah. <laughs> beyond meatheads. Oh, that's so good. Oh that my was, God. I love that. Stomped people getting stomped over yogurt. You gotta love the nineties. Yeah. But I think you, you have- also have to remember that these bands kind of created that. And oh, so yeah. anybody now doing it is just mimicking it and just doing it for the sake of whatever it isn't. It doesn't feel authentic. Uh, you know, like I remember the big, big, big video was, of course, Dillinger Escape Plan playing at the um, at the Virgin Megastore in New York City. And the second the song starts, he runs into the audience and is headwalking on every single person. And every band after that was like, we're going to headwalk. So if you come to our shows, expect us to stand on your heads. And everybody was like, no, we don't want that. And so everybody would move to the side and it wouldn't happen. (laughs) Because everybody's just mimicking that. Like You couldn't be a militant, vegan, straight edge band 
that gets in a fight with a vampire themed queer hardcore band anymore because it already happened 25 years ago. So I think that's why that this, the shows are more safe now is because all the bad shit has already happened and we all know it's bad. So like, don't do that. Don't be an asshole. Be nice to your fans, be uh, supportive of people. Let anybody have their experience. And that's also like, I think, my thing about like, oh, you know that you're going into an unsafe show. It seems like it's almost always a legacy act too. And yeah, it's you know, true. Like, I hate to use that term, but it's like these guys are have been beating the shit out of the crowd for 25 years. They're not. Gonna <laughs> <stop>. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they have sciatica. They, you know what you're in it for. Yeah. But I think there is a newer version of it because, like, I remember. I think it's shifted from just like. uh like I'd say the only hardcore band that might feel scary now that's new is like a God's hate, but we don't have anything to be afraid of from them. They're like, uh, they're probably like, cause they sound like a really frightening band from the nineties. They sound like they would be like, if you didn't like read the lyrics of God's hate, you'd be like, is this what screwdriver is? Yeah, it's probably I can't say I'm familiar with God's hate, but based on the name, yeah. I am nervous. I am. Yeah. So they have a song about killing Republicans and huh. their their vocalist is a pro wrestler uh, oh. and also used to. I should love build. this band. You, do, do you know? Do you know Brody King, the wrestler? I do know that name. Yeah. Yeah. It's his band. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. he does the that good hardcore thing where it's like not a scream. It's just kind of an angry just. Like it sounds like it would be a bad guy on Transformers, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> just talking, and it's like, oh, a, it's great, yeah, like a Swedish chef, like two octaves lower. <laughs> that kind of, I love it. It's great. It's um, incredible. Um, but it's really angry. It sounds. It's just. Uh, it's. Uh, it's just an angry leftist band, which I don't remember uh, a version of like a leftist band that's terrifying before which is cool yeah yeah that's that's rather inspiring i like that it's good yeah muscle milk it's music, good but like vegan <laughs> vegan muscle milk yeah <laughs> drinking oat milk in the sun all right well you know what let's get into the sh- let's get into the actual show now this cut is as special. much of that as you would like please. we're cutting probably none of it yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a podcast. No one has ever edited a podcast. I don't I believe it's ever true. happened. I think that's true. Yeah. Everyone says like, we'll fix it in post or we'll take it out. They never take it out. It never happens. You maybe get a bleep, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and neither but- confirm nor deny since I am paid to edit podcasts. But <laughs> moving on. Um, so this is Festival Schmestival. All right. We're going to build. Chris Gethard, a fantasy music festival. It's going to be real fun. We're going to get uh, a 10 band bill, which is going to be cool. We're going to start things off, though, uh, with what time of year do you want your festival to take place? Are you a summer music festival guy? Are you you a winter? I want to go late spring on this. I want it because I would want to set it in the Northeast. And I think late spring in the Northeast is lovely. I want to get in before you're sweating through your clothes. So like right now time. Like yeah, when I, would, I would say like mid-May through second week of June is when I would aim for this festival. And as that's great. I also hope you can tell 
because you sent me all the things I needed to um, <laughs> think about. And instantly my tone of voice, I think listeners can tell, I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what we want. We, okay. I, it's, you know, a lot of uh, uh, like, there are either people who think about this a lot or they just mm -hmm. come in and just go off the cuff. Yeah. And it's fun either way for me. Good. So. Yeah. No, I thought really hard about it, about how to um, really kind of capture things that felt if I'm where I'm like, if I'm curating a festival, I'm really treating it like a curator. What okay. am I trying? What messages am I trying to send through my selections, uh, both in the content, location, all of it? So it, I really got OCD about it. And then later you informed me that some of it is apparently just based on <laughs> random research into Spotify. So I'm happy to see which direction it goes either way. Either way. Hell yeah. So, okay. all right, we know where it's located. Do you have a specific Northeast location? I do. I do. Cool. I have long thought, actually, well before uh, being given the, the task of coming up with this, there's a, a national park in the middle of Patterson, New Jersey. It's called the Great Falls. And if you know anything about Patterson, New Jersey, it is a town that has had tough times for as long as I can remember. Tough, tough town. And in the middle of it is, if I remember correctly, the second tallest waterfall on the the Eastern seaboard after Niagara Falls. So there is like 20 minutes from central Manhattan, a massive, beautiful, just mind blowing waterfall that nobody. Oh my really, God. Yeah. Nobody really goes to if, if you, I think it was the second episode of the Sopranos, they throw a guy off the bridge into the great falls. And yes. Uh, yep. And um, it's that's how just, I know it. <laughs> it is beautiful and mind blowing. And when you go there, you kind of can't believe it's in New Jersey. You can't believe it's in the tri-state area. <laughs> In, let alone in the middle of this city that again, like, I mean, Patterson is the, if you remember, um, you remember the movie lean on me, Morgan Freeman, they used to call me crazy Joe. Now they call me Batman. That one about Joe Clark, the principal of East side high. That's based on a true story about like a high school where the principal had to become a vigilante to gain control of the high school back. Like it's a tough town. So I always thought it would be cool because there's an abandoned um, high school football stadium directly next to the falls. Oh my God. I think it could bring, I found it. To, yeah. It brings attention to a place that needs um, some help. It has a whole infrastructure with this stadium, ample room for food trucks and porta potties. And I can't imagine anything that would go wrong. You got a waterfall. You, <laughs> you don't need porta potties. You know what oh, I'm talking about. Oh, that would be the problem, right? Yeah. There's hundreds of drunk punks <laughs> pissing off the bridge into the waterfall. Yeah, yeah 100%. You don't, you, don't, you, don't. You, have, you have second episode of Sopranos problems, and you also have uh, a, like uh, break into electric boogaloo problems, maybe with the infrastructure. I yes, haven't seen that movie. Is see there it. a scene where someone takes a shit off a waterfall? <laughs> I haven't seen Breaking Two. It's great. I've never seen it. It's just been the it's, topic of every joke ever, but I've never actually seen it. Oh, it's good. Uh, it's good. good. It's fun. It's uh, it's where Save the Rec Center comes from. I wow. believe it's the second. I believe because I've seen both Breaking and Breaking Two. I believe Breaking Two is the one where they do a very very long choreographed dance with brooms in the beginning, and it is not hip or cool. No, is that, that Breaking? It is it the I'm trying to figure out like which one has the like Freddy Krueger dance where they're like going all over the, the walls and the ceiling and which one has the broom dance. I, I mix one up. of them has the broom scene. Which one? Breaking Turbo's broom dance. That's from Breaking. Okay, Turbo 
Right. Great dude. Okay. But he, he has a dance with a broom that I remember feeling very <laughs> uncomfortable with as I watched it. <laughs> In what way? Like what's, what's going to happen to this broom or well, I was I, being, you know, like just again, being as old as I am, which I roll my eyes at hearing myself say it, like growing up, it was like, being very young, like hip hop was still really, really new. And you heard about movies like break in and wild style and style wars and, um, and beach street. And like, they were super cool movies that were kind of hard to find back then that everybody said were like hugely influential in hip hop. So I, we found a copy of break in and we thought it was going to be the fucking coolest shit on earth. And it, <laughs> And then broom dance pretty early into it is a guy named turbo doing a long dance with a broom. And even as a kid, you realize like, okay, like this guy's got skills, but this feels, this feels cringy. This feels cringy. Mm. Yeah, probably. Probably. I, I don't think I've, I, I haven't seen it in forever. So I can't, I can't remember uh, how I felt about it when I was younger, but now I think about it. I'm like, it's hilarious. He's doing dance with a broom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just remember being heartbroken because it wasn't the... It wasn't cool. Well, and because, you know, everybody in the suburbs was just craving a look deeper into hip-hop once we found out about Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. So all right. of a sudden, you're like, I finally get to see the real shit, broom! Like, that, was <laughs> that was basically what went down. Word. Yeah, that... Uh, uh, but Drew, see, see breaking too. Sure. I it's yeah. one of those things that's like it's so specific that I just assume that no one ever saw it and it just exists as family guy references. <laughs> but, uh, sure, I'll check it out. It's a thing that you can watch. Yeah. It exists. Yeah. Um all right, so we got it. We got it. We got we got the Great Falls football uh stadium thing uh, stadium thing going on. Mm-hmm. We're gonna are you and you're raised, you're you're gonna use it to like bring attention to like we need to fix this place. Yeah, let's uh, let's bring. I, I would want to make it something that as much of the mo- money went back into the local community as possible because I've long thought about if you have the second tallest waterfall on the East Coast, you should be able to get this at least this area around it revitalized. I would want it to go into right. re- local revitalization would be the goal. It's a shame that, that uh, this is a podcast and not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about this. Sometimes I, I have actually sat and thought about, is this a thing that can happen? And uh, unfortunately, because it's my idea and I don't know how to <laughs> make it happen, it won't happen, but it should. It's cool down there. It's beautiful. It could probably, it, it, like I again, I feel like the only actual question about it would be like, is the actual building by the mm-hmm. waterfall is that safe safe almost yeah. definitely not almost yeah definitely. no this it literally yeah. looks like this is tetanus's mob this building yeah it, it looks like the place where impetigo was born you're not <laughs> um but if you if cleaned up it could be cool you could also just there's all these like i'm seeing all these like uh like kind of broken down buildings that are just like little walls like it might be fun to just like put like different like uh like different things in like if you can make them safe enough just like put like you can't this do, is the spot where the building. food is it's an abandoned building the only reason abandoned buildings exist is so that instagram photographers can take pictures of models naked and <laughs> like here's 
here's my question is when you've recorded prior episodes of this particular bit, how many people dive this deep into the none. actual none. logistical the and infrastructure Absolutely possibilities? None. Absolutely none. This is going to be the, uh, this is, this is going to be like the Francis Ford Coppola four hour podcast, <laughs> but the director's like, cut, I think people are going to really dig. Like we're doing an actual role playing game now about being festival organizers and where we would place uh, porta potties. It's not exactly what the world tunes in for, I would imagine. My yeah, they game. can't see what we're looking at, so they have no idea. I, I've heard that civil engineering is the new comedy, so you know, I, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, hope yeah, everybody. Yeah. I hope everybody uh, calls up images of the Hinchcliffe Stadium as as uh, you and I have to look at it because hey, this thing has potential. Just knock down those trees that are growing through the seats, and you got you're in business, baby. Yeah, I mean here, like you would have to. I you could do a thing where you raise money to put on a festival there, yeah. which could maybe you could kickstart a new festival space for Patterson, New Jersey. But yeah. either way. We're moving up. We're going to get into okay. we're going to get into uh, building your lineup. And mm-hmm. uh, before we get it, you have some uh, you have some, we have some rules. We call them yeah. stage hands. So okay. you get you you get unlimited like because it's it, this is a genre like the music that we're listening to is mostly like punk, hardcore metal. Uh, there are there are bands that have broken up. There are band, there are people mm-hmm. that are dead. We got to we got to have some we got to have some help. So you get unlimited fill-ins. Like if someone's, if you're like, ah, that that person's dead, uh, I'm going to put this person from uh, another one of my favorite bands to fill in for him. You can do that a million times. Oh, but okay. okay. But you get, uh, you get one hologram. Okay. You get one official reunion set. So oh. only like one, if you're like, ah, oh, my favorite band is broken up, but I want him to, you do, you you. I want them to get back together. You can do that once. Can't do okay. it if okay. they're if the other band's broken up. You got a fantasy book. Um, okay. You get one full album set. Mm-hmm. So only one of the bands on your lineup can play an album all the way through. Uh, you get one cover set, uh, like where a band is performing as as another band. If you want that, all like Primus being Rush, they're cosplaying Rush for an entire tour. Okay, I okay. guess. Yeah. Um, and Andrew WK has to participate. I already know how he's involved. That's great. He's going to be there anyway, so you got to put him to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to start with that or save it for the end? Because I would recommend, let's save that for the end because yes. I, I'm really proud of what I came up with for Andrew. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Well, then... Let's get let's get started. We're going to the first five bands on your list are going to come from the recently played section of your Spotify. Now, and can I, I really can I add a caveat to this immediately? Yes, you, you told me this and I immediately went, oh, no. And then was tempted to go and intentionally alter it because I am going to put out one thing here. I have no idea what this could even be because in my house, we have a Sonos connected to my wife's Spotify. Yes. So I, I rarely use my own Spotify and have absolutely no idea what is on it. This is, this is why I like initially I was like, I was like, we should just let 
Chris do ten bands and it'll be fucking awesome. No, I'm like, so no, happy. he's got a he's got a he's got a wife and they have a baby now. They're gonna the the, the Spotify playlist is gonna be crazy. We yeah. gotta. So that's why I messaged you and I was like, too bad you're doing it. But you looked up mine. You looked up the Chris Gethard Spotify, right? I didn't. I didn't look. I have oh, no idea what you. Oh, you didn't. This look is it surprise. Up. Oh, surprise great. for everybody. Oh, yeah, good. It's so not I like the actually, IRS. Like we don't actually know. I what thought your it taxes was a are. gotcha. Okay, yeah. let me see. We're so, not going to call you out. How do? Okay, so, uh, but I can only access my Spotify through my phone, not my wife. So I'm still not going to look cool. Um, <laughs> so I can only go through Sonos. Let's see. Okay, so my Spotify. Um, There's a, should there should be just a section that says uh, like recently played. Let's see. I'm very old. Let me find it. Recently, <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Number one. Number it's a, one. It's a bunch of mixes. Um, the first mix is a happy birthday mix I made <laughs> for my two-year-old son who turned two a couple weekends ago. And I'm actually pretty thrilled. What's the rule with mixes? Is it like the first band off the mix? Yeah. yeah. First song yeah. off of, yeah, opening track. So I am very happy to tell you that the first track then, I feel good about this is the notoriously weird cartoonist slash uh, musician James Kochalka superstar playing oh, monkey yeah. versus robot. So we're going to have James Kochalka superstar come down from, I think he lives up in Maine <laughs> on monkey versus robot. My kid does I have... not like that song. He, does like, he, does like, <laughs> he loves hockey monkey though. He loves yeah. hockey monkey by James Kochalka. I have no idea who this oh, is. You do. You do. It. You just don't realize it. Cause they he made songs in the '90s that got animated on the Nickelodeon show Kablam. So you've probably seen the music video oh. "Hockey Monkey" and you don't remember it. And he's the definition of a guy that you've heard on WFMU if you ever just leave WFMU on for an indeterminate amount of time. "Hockey Monkey" right. is a brilliant song. One, two, three. The kids love the monkey. And four, five, six. <laughs> the monkey's got a hockey six, seven, eight. Nine, <laughs> having a good time. Yeah. That's a pretty good start. James Kochalka, superstar. Is he is he from something or is he just his own thing? He he's, seems like a guy who would have had a band. Before he this. Is, he's actually a cartoonist. Yeah. Um, I, if I forget, it's either Maine or no, it might be New Hampshire. He's like the cartoonist laureate of. New Hampshire. He's a very, very accomplished <laughs> independent art cartoonist in that whole world of like the. I think it's like Vermont. The, I think it's Vermont. Vermont, maybe like yeah, the yeah. the R. Crumb descended sort of like indie, you know, like Daniel yeah. Klaus, like very like early two thousands, like weirdo, like children's comics for adults. There was he made a comic called American Elf that was really cool. And he I think also I've has seen a band. this before. Yeah. He's cool, and I'm glad he's first because it makes me. I was cringing to know what would happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw him do a show at a comic book store in like 2005 where he just sang to an iPod. It was great. Is that kind of so, guy? Does uh, does your two year old have a song that they love uh, by he, James? Uh, he hates Monkey versus Robot. He loves Monkey. <laughs> So those are the two songs. Cool. Monkey versus robot. It's it's a great song about a monkey fighting a robot, and the chorus is just "Monkey versus robot." I thought my son was gonna love it. <laughs> my dad was at his birthday party and uh, heard that song and went, "This is a weird song." 
And now every time it comes on, my son Cal looks at me and goes, this is a weird song. I don't like this song. <laughs> and, uh, but Hockey Monkey, he loves. Your dad had a had an influence on your son. And now he uh, he's, yeah, he ruined he that did. song for your for your kid. It, that could have been a moment between you and your son got taken away from you. Indeed, indeed. My dad, once again, no, my dad's the best. My dad's the best. <laughs> this relationship with my son is uh, heartwarming and lovely. Okay, so now wait, so that's, it, that's the only song from that mix, yeah? Yeah, yeah, now we go to the next mix. Okay, the next thing I listened to, this is weird. Great. Do you think people just lie through these all the time or do people- Probably. Some next- people- I can tell if they're lying based on like their first one. If they name like two, if they name something a little too cool at the beginning, I'm like, all right, they're like fluffing. But we had yeah, uh, yeah. we had Liam from the Dillinger Escape Plan, and he was like, all right, right off the bat, Alvin and the Chipmunks. It's <laughs> like this is we're getting honest answers here. I'm gonna reserve the right, if it's okay with you guys, to skip the Spotify generated mixes, like yeah. your daily mix, mm-hmm. just the things I fixed. This means that uh, on stage one. We'll have James Kochalka, superstar. Yeah. Stage two will feature none other than Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Competing. <laughs> competing at the same time. I think every band at this festival will play concurrently. Uh, is how, uh, <laughs> Everybody gets the sunrise set. How big is this waterfall? <laughs> it's huge, luckily. Luckily for all of us. That's uh, what Stevie Wonder were you listening to? I was listening to uh, a Stevie Wonder mix. Just Based a mix? Yeah. For once in my life, it looks like the song that kicked it all off. And there's no shame in that. No, yeah, not at all. Great. Yeah. Younger than I thought, too. It's only 70. Is he really? How do you guys feel about these conspiracy theories that he's not blind and never has been? I had to edit one of those when I worked at Vice. Really? Yeah. Was it convincing I, at all? Not really. It's like, you know, I think everybody brings up like a few uh, a few instances of him. Like like I think there's like a a him and Paul McCartney performance where he catches something like catches a mic stand that gets knocked over by Paul McCartney. Uh, There's all there's there's all of this stuff. And I'm I, I. I, I don't think that that's convincing enough because I, I like maybe he just uh, like we're only hearing recorded audio uh, through the mics of, you know, a Paul McCartney running and knocking something over. Maybe it was louder outside of the mic and he could just hear it and catch it. And he knew yeah. that he tripped. OK, dispelled once again, debunked. I don't that's know. Why hey, what do you think? Oh, you OK. What do you think? No, wait, because it looks like someone else had a stronger opinion than I do. I don't have an opinion. I have a thought, which is that I, you know, I'm like of the Andy Kaufman, like grand prank thing, which is I think that if Stevie Wonder was blind and faking it, there will be a day when he reveals it. And that's got to be coming up soon. I mean, he's getting older. 70s, you know, it's a good age. But, you know, at some point, I want to know if he's going to take it to the grave. Or if he's got this grand thing planned where like he's accepting a lifetime achievement award and someone throws a softball at his head and he catches it. That would be yeah, that's amazing. That would be the cool <laughs> the coolest thing on the planet. If he was faking it and it was a prank, then yeah, absolutely. If he's just doing it for the money, fuck him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, Chris. I just thought it was so funny when I heard about that one. That's when the the sad thing with these conspiracy theories is when you hear ones that you're like, that's hilarious. And then, and then someone's like, no, there's people who really believe that. You're like, (laughs) oh God. Oh God. There's pizza. There's people who think I'm part of the Pizzagate crowd because of a bit we did on the Gethard show. Really? Oh, if you Google Chris Gethard, like conspiracy, it all comes up. It is <laughs> nuts and actually like dangerous. Wow. Because I used to torment these people for because I thought it was funny because, you know, I was a yeah. little, you know, I, I tend to be a little unhinged. And especially back in that era of my life, I, I greatly enjoyed it. And now that I have a son, certainly I, I lock it down a little bit more. But I would kind of poke the bear a little bit on Reddit answering their posts. But we did this bit with Will Ferrell that was like a fake satanic ceremony to try to get our ratings up, (laughs) which I thought (laughs) so clearly a joke. And it ended with me being birthed out of a 12 foot tall uh, vagina that we built. Me being like covered in blood and pushed out by the members of the Cocoon Central dance team. (laughs) Hell yeah. And there are people who have who greatly have analyzed this video and uh, say that myself, their theory is that me and Will Ferrell and Marina Abramovich are like an East coast hub of this for some reason. (laughs) Also, every time I talk about it publicly, they find it and say that it's proof that it is real. Like I, I was on Conan once and was telling Conan about it and saying like, it's, it's not real. And all the comments on the Conan clip are people being like, see, yep, he's, he doth protest too much. Like it's definitely real. It's, it will never end. Anyway. That's wild. Cause I mean, there's a way more, uh, this is like a way more us into your cabal, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're all a part of it now. Great. Now you're a part of yeah. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Now we're, we're a part of it too. I, there's, there could have been a much more fun conspiracy in there too. Like, like the Chris Gethard that came out of the fake vagina is not the real Chris. Get- it's a different Chris I would Gethard. I love that. Oh. Yeah. Chris Gethard is actually <laughs> blind. Yeah. It's just some guy who put on his glasses like the dri- the Dread Pirate Roberts from uh, Princess Bride. There's yeah. yeah. Chris Gethard have- is just a persona that's been uh, passed along through the generations. Yeah. That you would have be the- cool. Yeah. Wait a minute. Paul McCartney knocked over a microphone stand and Stevie Wonder caught it. Yeah, Paul McCartney has his own conspiracy theory that everybody thinks he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sergeant Pepper. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have like a favorite weird conspiracy? Is it Is it Stevie Wonder? Or do you have? That's a great own? question. It's a really great question. Let's think on some of the good ones. Um, well, I mean, I have, I have my own. You do. What's own. yours? What's yours? Mine is uh, we. C- this this actually came up from like an older version of one of our podcasts, but there's the um, there's the the Metallica and Lou Reed album uh, Lulu mm-hmm. exists uh, and it's like famously terrible. And I have uh, a theory that uh, like that it's just a prank from Lou Reed on Metallica. He's just being mean to them and making them the he he knew that it was terrible the whole time and he was just stringing them along to make them think that they were making art and now they just like he was like no boys it's real art and that's why they like every interview about like lulu is metallica going like it's a whole other level but and then there's your theory that's not a conspiracy theory you made that yourself right well i'm starting yeah i'm starting my own (laughs) i said i have my own did it catch any momentum not at all but my now 
It could now, but I have like famously like there's a there is a like David Bowie said that Lulu is is like genius. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is because David Bowie was the only person who knew that like Lou was fucking with Metallica and he just wants to help like fuel the fire a little bit. I love that. Yeah. Mine is just Bigfoot. You're a psycho, man. Mine is probably, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always, I grew up completely obsessed with Andy Kaufman and I think that is Andy dead stuff um, can be a little grating because it comes up every few years. And, but I am, this is one of those things that I feel like I say it and I hear myself and go, who, who the fuck was I for most of my life? <laughs> this is a true sentence is I once got in a very dangerous high speed car chase with a person who claimed to be uh, Andy Kaufman. Uh, And that is very true. And then I later confronted them in a Starbucks parking lot in Albuquerque, New Mexico, all fact. And they were wearing a mask filming me. It's weird. The whole thing's weird. So I'm, I'm pretty intimately tied into that one too. (laughs) It's pretty bad. That is wild. Yeah. I've done some shit, man. I've done some shit. (laughs) It's, I forget. I forget. I've lived a lot of life and I'm pretty proud of it. And sometimes I forget, but yeah, you lived. That is such a unique, like I've done some shit. Like I've heard a million people say like, I've done some shit. You know, I got in a fight with a broken bottle or whatever, but this is like shit that you didn't know was, it could exist. It was wild. Yeah. I, um, the quick bullet points, if you want them, are so for a bunch of years in the early 2000s i worked at a magazine called weird new jersey that's all about strange and haunted things in new jersey it was the best job i've ever had it's the best and then i went on to become a comedian and the guys from weird new jersey contacted me Uh, there was a film festival in new brunswick and there was a film about andy kaufman in it and somebody sent out a press release to a number of outlets including weird new jersey saying I'm Andy Kaufman. I'm alive. The day after this film debuts, I'm going to reveal it. Let me know if you want to attend the press conference. So my bosses wrote and they were like, you know, you haven't worked for us in a couple of years, but this seems like it's meant to be. So I I went to the Heldrich Hotel in New Brunswick and it was me and like a local journalist from a small town paper. There was a guy from WFMU there, one or two other people. And these people came out in cloaks and masks and put on a puppet show with this very strange script. And it was, I mean, it, it was really odd. And I say that by the standards of someone who has participated in a lot of, of strange stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I found myself very upset at the end of it because I felt like whatever this is was like so close to being amazingly cool. And it almost made me upset of like, I feel like these people are not Andy Kaufman alive. I feel like they're fucking with me. And something about it, I just found kind of like off-putting in like a missed opportunity way. So I lurked, <laughs> they, they shuffled us all out of the room and I waited in the hallway for like two hours. And they finally emerged, uh, two of the people. There had been three in the room and I followed them and they wouldn't speak to me. And I was on the elevator with them. They had all their camera equipment. I was like, what was that? You guys got to tell me. And they just ignored me. And they got into a minivan with Indiana plates. And they, I, I, I was like, 
yelling at them in the lobby. I, I kind of lost my mind. And then the dude from WFMU radio told me to chill out. So then I was driving away and I saw the minivan. So I started following it. <laughs> and then a third person, they came around a corner and the third person jumped into the minivan and I couldn't get a good look at them. I don't know if it's Andy Kaufman, which still pisses me off. And then I kept following them and they realized I was following them. We got in a chase probably like 80 to 90 miles an hour uh, down Route 78 in New Jersey. And that when we hit the border of Pennsylvania, I bailed and then <laughs> published an account of that in Weird New Jersey. And they found out about that and they were still sending me all these strange messages. And um, whoever was behind it was harassing me on Twitter. And, and I drove cross country by myself once and, and wound up meeting them in a parking lot in Albuquerque. And then they called me on the phone and told me a weird story. And it was very strange. So the Andy Kaufman stuff, I'm, I'm a footnote. I'm a footnote in that conspiracy theory. So I like that one anyway. Yeah. You're part of you, that is, that is like, a, you're in the middle of the comic book subplot where it's like the, the, the villain dies and then like, they don't want to bring back the villain yet. So they like have the, the cult that's like in homage to the villain. And you're mm. just like in that part right there. But yes. here's the thing. Here's the thing. And like another, when the next writer takes over, they're going to like the villains going to come back. So yeah. Andy Kaufman yeah. is a hundred percent going to still be alive by the, in like five years, we're going to find cool. it out. That would be cool. But anyway, Andy Kaufman and Stevie wonder would, both be the same age if Andy Kaufman was still alive. I'm just Ooh. throwing that out there. It's all ties. Real conspiracy. The conspiracy starts <laughs> with you. Stevie Wonder is Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs>